Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 93. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Attention comic book fans, Lee's Comics of Mountain View, California has closed. But here's the good news. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale for half off. Choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davy, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. Get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today.
cool. I'm going to get one today. I'm still plugging away on my Mad and Disney books, and there's no real news about my Warren Kramer book or my TTV scrapbook, but the holidays are coming up, so you can order my other books as gifts. There's books about Harvey Comics, Archie Comics, The Beatles, Dennis the Menace, Cracked, Disney, Patty Freeling, Total Television, Jack Davis, John Severin, and The Monkees. You can order my books on Amazon or through the Bear Manor Media website. Thank you very much. Today we feature a major fan of the Monkees who has been a fan since their start in 1966. He has now written his second book on the group. Here he is, Fred Velez. Okay, on the phone today we have Fred Velez. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, sir. How's everybody out there? It's uh, I'm doing great here in Oregon and... Uh, just wanted to talk to you today, uh, see, uh, a little, find a little bit about yourself. I mean, I've heard you on Zilch, and I have your first book, and we'll talk about all that. Uh, but tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in the monkeys and any other things that you do. Well, I was, I'm an original fan from back in the 60s. Uh, I started watching the show and listening to the music way back when. I actually won... My first monkey album actually won in a uh, contest at a uh, street fair. Hmm. Um, it was a little, I have the story in my first book, uh, a little bit me, a little bit you, the monkeys, from a fan's perspective. And um, I, um, there was a street fair where they had a little mouse race, where you put your quarter down, and if your mouse won the race, you won whatever prize they had. And the prize I had my eye on was the More of the Monkeys album. <laughs> uh, so um, my mouse won, I won the album, and uh, when I first heard the album, I thought it was great. And this, and I actually heard the Monkees on the radio prior to even knowing there was a TV show. Hmm. So I actually, I actually fell in love with the music first, and then I discovered the TV show. <laughs> and uh, I've been a fan ever since, and I've been following them even after the show went off the air. Um, I kept following them through the music. I bought the albums that came out after 1968 <laughs> and just kept following their careers as uh, solo artists. Michael Nesmith, of course, was the most prominent of the four of them uh, and Davey next to him. And over the years, I was able to scrounge together some of Mickey's uh, solo singles. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, I finally got to see... Uh, the monk, well, two of the monkeys in concert with Jones, Jones, Boyce, and Hart wow. in 1976, <laughs> and and I got, I finally got to see Peter Tork in concert around the late 70s, early 1980, mm. and he was actually the first monkey I got to know on a fairly personal basis because um, he was reemerging into the entertainment field uh, in concerts and, uh, and TV appearances in particular. The Uncle Floyd show, which was a lot of a fun show that was sort of a parody of the old uh, kitty shows yep. back in the, back in the day. <laughs> and Peter, Peter made several appearances on, appearances on that show, and he had a great time. And I actually got because uh, I knew guys on the show. I was able to attend his second appearance on the Uncle Floyd show, and I got on camera with Peter. Hmm. And and we and uh, over the years we you know whenever. We saw each other. He always said hello. He was very friendly. Uh, I think he appreciated the people that uh, the fans that 
that uh, attended his early shows because he knew those were the true fans that would you know that would uh, come and see him even during a period where it wasn't monkeys it was just him and uh, I think that endeared him that endeared him to the fans from that period on mm-hmm. and then um, I got involved with uh, the monkey conventions the early monkey conventions with uh, Maggie McManus and later Ed Riley and Charles uh, F. Rosenay, mm-hmm. and uh, I was the original MC for mm-hmm. those early conventions. <laughs> um, and uh, it culminated at, well, in 82, we did the convention in Connecticut, and that was the first convention that we had a monkey, and it was Peter. Mm-hmm. And he was absolutely, absolutely wonderful there. Everybody loved, of course, everybody loved him. <laughs> and he performed, uh, he performed a, a short set with uh, Charles and his band, Monkey Mania. And then uh, Peter did a Q&A in which he expressed his, when he was asked the question, uh, where was he when he heard that John Lennon had been killed? Hmm. He let down his mask. And he was very honest about his feelings about John Lennon, how much John Lennon meant to him. And there was not a dry eye in the house. Uh, You could, you know, you could have heard a pin in that hall. It was absolutely, it was that quiet as Peter went, uh, Peter was talking. So, um, and uh, I think that helped to cement the bond between Peter and fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later on, uh, I was I, I was the MC for the 1986 Philadelphia Monkey Convention where we had Mickey, Davey, and Peter. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible. We had, <laughs> it was one of the, the best times I ever had doing and just off and on just by being involved with conventions being involved with monkey events uh, I actually helped out uh, with one of Davey's book signings uh, helping to keep the crowd uh, contained and everything mm. um, I worked with Davey on one of his books I worked on his mutant mon- mon- his mutant monkeys book <laughs> And uh, I did some light research in which uh, I actually went to his house, mm-hmm. and he's, he pulled out this big trunk and told me, friend, now look in this trunk and see if there's anything in there you think we can use for the book. He opens up the trunk, and I thought I died and went to monkey heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was full of his personal memorabilia, photos, scrapbooks, you name it. It was in there. <laughs> and I started pulling out the scrapbooks and looking at pictures, like original uh, wardrobe tests for the movie Head, um, photos from their concerts, their 60s concerts, and I was telling Davey and his partner, uh, Alan Green, which pictures they should definitely use. There's a picture of Davey with Pete Townsend. He said, oh yes, definitely this one. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it was just a wonderful experience being involved in the monkey fandom and uh that's that would probably lead to my first book uh a little bit me a little bit you the monkeys from a fan's perspective which i wrote mm-hmm. sadly after davy had passed away um in which i recounted all my experiences as a monkeys fan being involved with them and i incorporated uh stories from other fans too so it wasn't all my stories; it was other stories too to help uh uh give everybody an idea about monkey fandom uh, over the years. And um, I was very pleased that the book was very successful, and I'm grateful to everybody who bought it and really liked it. Yeah. 
I liked it. I got it too when when I was writing my books with Michael Ventrilla. You know, I made sure to get all the notable monkeys books, and yours was one of them. So. Oh, good. Thank yeah. you. I love your books, by the way. Well, thank you. <laughs> I just got headquartered uh, recently, mm-hmm. and I love I love the first book, the long title book, especially the cover, which uh, which references a it's a mad, 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 mad world. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was Scott Shaw's idea. You know, it's like. Uh, he, he says, I got a great idea for the cover. And I go, well, okay, what do you want? And he goes, how about uh, everybody on the show who was ever on the TV series chasing the monkeys a la Mad, 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 Mad World? And I said, sure. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, a little bit later, he kind of regretted that. He goes, this is a tough drawing. And I go, well, I didn't tell you. <laughs> so, oh, I love it. It was very clever. So when yeah. we got to the headquartered book, uh, I said, all right, this is what I kind of directed him. I said, I want four different boxes, each one containing like memorabilia or something referring to each individual monkey. And you don't have to go overboard. Keep it simple. <laughs> he still went above and beyond the call of duty. I love Scott. So, <laughs> well, I love the, uh, the first, the cover of the first book too. I like the fact that in uh, the corner with Peter, you got Pete, Uncle, Uncle Floyd in there. Yeah. Yeah. And he was very appreciative of uh, being on the cover of this book. Oh, wow. He saw our book? Wow. Yeah, I told him about it. Oh, okay. All right. Hopefully he, uh, he got it or someone got it for him. I hope, he, I hope so anyway. <laughs> because I, I made sure to get him on there. I mean, it's kind of funny. Here I'm, I'm a Californian. I live in Oregon now. And the only reason I know about um, uh, Uncle Floyd is because in that same year that Peter was appearing, uh, that was when uh, Uncle Floyd went into national syndication for a brief period of time. And right. there was a station in Sacramento, California, which was a long way away, but if you turn the antenna the right way, you could get it, especially at night. And they showed Uncle Floyd during the summer of 82, and I think into the fall a little bit, and then that was it. And... Right. Uh, <laughs> Peter, Peter made a couple appearances on the syndicated show. Yeah, and uh, I saw a couple Peter appearances. I don't know if I saw Davy's appearance. I, I, don't, I don't remember it. I, would probably, I think I would have remembered it. And... Well, Davy was not on the syndicated show. He oh. was on a later, okay. later show that was on uh, um, WNGN here uh, in New Jersey. Okay. Okay, so oh. that point, yeah, at that point I wasn't seeing the show anymore, and I was kind of going, but I've always kind of followed Uncle Floyd kind of from a distance because I know he performs all over the East back there in New Jersey and New York and stuff like that and different events and stuff. And I've seen him over the years that way, but you know, um, and I'm Facebook friends with a couple of the people like Scott Gordon and stuff like that. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but I've always had an appreciation for it. And, um, I was probably the only person on the West coast that got the uncle Floyd show record album that came Oh, wow, you got a rarity there. (laughs) And uh, what's another thing that, oh, and I have the DVD that came out a few years ago. Uh But um, unfortunately, no Peter Tork on that or or Davy Jones. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. uh, Well, Uncle Floyd owns the rights to show. If you go on his, uh, um, he does uh, show the the clips from the show. I think sometimes they show them on Facebook, but mm-hmm. you have to pay in order to see them, uh-huh. you know, because he, he owns the rights to the show. 
So you have to go like on Uncle Floyd Radio or UncleFloyd.net okay. to find out the schedule when those shows are going to be on. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, uh, that, that, so that's the reason why Uncle Floyd's on the cover. And also, I hate to say, you know, Peter kind of became, you know, active, I guess, more belatedly than the other monkeys. I don't know if that was by choice or by design. You know, if it was like the se- the 70s were like a really lost decade, even more more so than for Mickey. You know, it's like, you know, so it, it seemed like that was like, you know, his major reappearance, even though I he did play with Dolan Schoen's Boys and Heart once, but I was kind of young right. for that, so... Yeah. yeah, Dolan Jones, Boys and Heart, and, Cal- and the Disney World, Disney World mm-hmm. I think. Disneyland, Disneyland. Yeah, Disneyland, yeah. And then a year later, he's at Starwood with Mickey, with Mickey Davey, and Coco, and oh. the Laughing Dogs. Mm-hmm. Now, did you see any of those shows, or did you not make it out to the Not list? the one with Peter. I saw two Dolan Jones, Boys and Heart shows in 1976, and then a year later, I saw uh, two of the Davey, Mickey, and Coco shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I got to see um, two two years in a row in the seventies. Mm. Then Peter later in the late seventies, early eighties, and always tried to catch him whenever he was playing. He usually played this Gren- Greenwich Village, was where he got his start mm-hmm. in show business. And um, it, it, it was actually very interesting, a lot of fun to see Peter during uh, that period because you got to see him in his in his element. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, playing in Greenwich Village, uh, that was that's that's where he learned his craft, and that was really amazing. Mm-hmm. Did uh, what were the concerts like back then? I mean, I know there are there is a recording of uh, official recording of Dolan's Jones Boys and Heart, and uh, a couple other seventies things that I've heard bootleg of, but. Uh, uh, other than the ones, the recent ones from 7A records that show like Mickey on stage in Japan and Davey in Japan and stuff like that, uh, were they well structured shows like the later Monkey shows? Very... Are they kind of loosey goosey or how were they? <laughs> uh, they were very good. Uh, they were, you know, they were well rehearsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a great band. They had Keith Allison in the Jones Jones Boys and Heart show as the as the musical director, mm-hmm. you know Keith Allison from the uh, Raiders. So they had good they had good guys in those on those shows, and they had a pretty uh, well structured show in which they showcased both the Monkey songs that Boys and Heart wrote, plus the Boys and Heart's own solo stuff, and then Boys and Heart songs that uh, they wrote for other people. And of course, they incorporated other songs that were written for the Monkees by others like Neil Diamond and John Stewart and uh, Harry Nielsen. Mm-hmm. So, so it was a, it was a, a lot of fun. I saw Jones Jones Boys and Heart first at the Riverboat in New York, which is a, which was a club, uh, a nightclub that was at the foot of the Empire State Building. Mm. And that was a lot of fun. And I got to see Mickey and Davey and Coco a year later at the same uh, venue. And then I saw Donald Jones' Boys and Heart again that same summer of 76 at the Calderon Concert Hall mm-hmm. uh, in, in Long Island. And that was uh, that was a fun show, too, because you had a bigger, a bigger venue. And it's interesting because the Cal- Calderon Concert Hall, they had a lot of big acts. 
had played there, like um, Peter Frampton and Kiss and Todd Rundgren and people like that had played that same venue also. So it was pretty historic. It was a pretty historic place. Mm-hmm. So it was and but it was as heck as anything to get down there because it was all the way in Long Island. Right. And I lived in New York City. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> um, so I, had to, I had to figure out how to got, get down there. <laughs> <laughs> how were the audiences back then? I mean, I know from 86 forward, pretty much Monkeys uh, guarantees a crowd, but I don't know about 70s and 80s concerts. Early. It, was, it, was, it was pretty good. It was uh, about at least 80% ki- uh, girls. Okay. <laughs> more, than 80, more than 80% girls, teenage girls. And they, oh, boy, did they scream. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I knew, remember I was seeing them ten years after they they they, they uh, first started. You know, you know, sixty six they started, and seventy six is when they were back with DJ B and H. Mm-hmm. And those shows were great. Uh, the fans enjoyed every moment of it, and uh, and you could tell from uh, the expressions of their, on, their, on their faces, the guys enjoyed the shows too. Mm-hmm. There is a video that I put up on YouTube that I took of a couple of the shows. Oh, okay. If you look it up, you look up uh, Monkey's Concert uh, Films from 76, or look up my name, uh, or look up uh, F-R-E-D for me on on YouTube, and you should be able to find those, uh, those that, that footage. I also included a 1980 Peter Tork appearance. Mm-hmm. From the Rock Ages convention when he was when he played there, when he played with his uh, band, I think it was either Cottonmouth or the Peter Tork band. Hmm. Yeah, did you shoot those on video or on film or on film? Oh wow, it was a great, a great <laughs> film with uh, with audio too. Uh, the Peter Tork one was uh, film audio uh, sound on film. Okay. The uh, the Donald Jones voice and Davey and Mickey ones, uh, I dubbed the music in. Oh, cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check those out. <laughs> yeah, I guess I need a link later. Okay, sounds good. Um, another thing I was curious about, so if you're an original fan, you kept buying the albums. Uh, the thing I'm always curious about is in the late 60s and into the 70s, mainly from the standpoint, was it hard to find the albums in stores, and you know, including the solo albums, and uh, was it hard to find out any information about the boys, uh, at least up until the mid-70s? It was actually not that hard to find the albums at that time by the late 70s, because remember, the first uh, five albums sold in the millions. Mm-hmm. So those those were fairly easy to get. Remember, I won the, the second album in right. the contest. Right. And I was able to pick up the other later albums at different record stores. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and um, so, and the later albums I actually bought when they were pretty much new. <laughs> yeah. So I got I got Head, Instant Replay, Present, and Changes when they were all brand new albums. Mm-hmm. And the singles I was able to get while they were you know the later singles I was able to get when they were new, and I was able to pick up the older singles. Also, now uh, Michael Nesmith was the only monkey to have been putting out new records after the whole monkey thing finished. So right. I was able to get his albums as they came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mickey and, well, Davey was the next one I was able to get because this was fairly easy. Uh, his album on Bell Records and a couple of the singles, even though I didn't get all the singles at the time, mm-hmm. I had to get them eventually over the years. Mickey was a little, was much harder to get because uh, 
you really have to dig at the records. At, like, I went to a lot of the record stores in Greenwich Village just searching for like the, you know, anything I could find. And I eventually was able to find some of the recordings I was, I was looking for. Uh, Peter didn't have anything out. Right. So, but I, but not, on, Peter, on Mickey's and Davies stuff, was that hard to find because you didn't know, the, because you didn't know about it or you knew about it, but stores well, just I didn't know carry about it. it because, uh, believe me, magazines like Target Beat and 16 were valuable at that okay. time. Because they gave you, they gave you like the latest news on some of the pop idols, even the ones that weren't showing up on the covers anymore, like the monkeys. Right. But they still gave, they still knew that uh, that there were still fans that liked them. So they, they, whatever little tidbits came up, they said, "Well, Mickey has a new single out, oh, or Davey okay. has a new record out, or Davey's going to be on this show or that show." So that's how I was able to stay in touch for what they were doing. So when I found out there was a it was a Mickey Dolan single out there. I, I scoured the record stores to see if I could find it, and eventually I was able to dig some up. Okay. Because uh-huh. I wasn't buying records. I, I'm, you know, probably a decade younger than you. Uh, so my first exposure to the Monkees was on the Saturday morning TV show. And right. I, I uh-huh. said this on the uh, on the Charles Rosene episode, but I'll say it again, you know. I didn't care for the TV show when I first saw it. Um, uh, I liked the music, though, but I was a little kid. I was really small. And uh, so, and then, so, you know, I'm talking about seeing the reruns from 70 to 73. And then, you know, I didn't think much more about it. I do remember that Mickey Dolan's uh, commercial where he's, uh, advertising like the pop hits of the '60s or something like that, because they used, one, they used yeah. to play that a lot, and and so I go, hey, it's that monkey guy, you know. And then I think Dolan's Jones Voice and Heart was the next time I heard anything. For some reason, for me, I never thought about Nesmith or you know, and maybe they put them in the country section. I wasn't buying records much then, uh, so the first Nesmith album I saw brand new was his '79 album, the. I always forget the title. The one with... Oh, <laughs> the, infinite Rider on the yeah, dogs. Yeah. The one with magic on it. And <laughs> yes, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one that was pretty much the template for Elephant Parts. Yeah, uh, yeah. All the songs that were... In, most of the songs that were on Elephant Parts uh, came from that album. Yeah. And Elephant Parts is what made me a fan, is what I was telling Charles. Uh, because before that, I just said, oh, that's just that stupid TV show. And some of the songs are good, but I just really didn't pay attention to it until Elephant Parts. And I said, and I fell in love with that. And so at that point, I was starting to like, maybe I thought about these guys wrong. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I mentioned is like my first album was the same one that was your the one you got for free, but I paid a quarter for it in 1980. <laughs> I paid a quarter for Mon- more of the monkeys in 1981. And my thought was, if this really stinks, I'll throw it back in the thrift shop. But if it's good, <laughs> and uh, I listened to it, and it's like, oh, I know this song. I know this song. I don't know. This one was pretty good. you know. So I knew, like, I'm a believer. I knew Stepping Stone, you know, just because I've heard him on the radio or saw him on the TV show or something. But... That's when I got started. So by the time they rolled around and reunited in '86, I was ready. So <laughs> you know, but anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean yeah, that, that that's the thing I think that kept me going 
after the TV show was done was the records, because the songs were still good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that even if the TV show wasn't on the air anymore, I could still listen to the music. Yeah. And and I think I grew a deeper appreciation for the music uh, because uh, because the show wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when the show came back, I was I was thrilled, of course. But yeah. uh, the songs stayed with me much longer, and I think that's the thing. Uh, a lot of people that uh, that like fault the monkeys. Oh, they didn't play normal music, which is all nonsense, of course. Yeah. But uh, the thing is that I like to point out this. Well, look, the TV show only lasted two seasons. The Monkees as a musical act have lasted over almost over fifty years. Right. So you do the you do the math. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy. Yeah, people still say that. I mean, I do it in jest sometimes. It's like, did they really play their instruments on the Christmas album finally? You know, just as a joke. But, you know, it's like, I think everybody should know by now they have played their instruments. You know, they've toured more <laughs> in reunion concerts than they were together originally. Right, so. as Davey would have said, to, you know, when pointed out, the monkeys don't play their own instruments. I don't play my own instrument. This one's rented. <laughs> Of course, I don't know how much playing uh, eight maracas is, but hey, no. Just, right. uh, there you go. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's see. What else can I ask about the monkeys? It's, you're the guy that was there. So, um, it, have you noticed? I mean, apart from age, <laughs> any yes. a, a, any change in any of the monkeys over the years, or have they always been, you know? the same guys um, all along? Uh, they've all matured okay. over the years, obviously. Uh, they were not those young kids anymore, but they they grew older, somewhat wiser over the years. <laughs> Nesmith, uh, who I think for a while gave off an image of being sort of aloof, that he was not really interested or involved, um, he, uh, to me, seems to have Embrace the monkeys more over the years. Yeah, he's become much more appreciative of the fans. He realized that the, that the monkeys meant something to the fans, and I think that touched them. And I think part uh, when he had his his uh, health problems a couple of years ago mm-hmm. with the, the the double was it triple bypass? I think it was. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think the fact that everyone was like praying for him and keeping him in their thoughts and prayers and everything and all that and wishing him good, you know, uh, good health and everything that it, he sort of thought that these people did care about him yeah. and did, did love him. And I think that touched him a lot and uh, that he's, he's sort of like broken down more to <laughs> embrace the fans more than he. He may have seemed to have been previously. Yeah. So, so um, I think of all of them, he's learned to really uh, consider and appreciate the fans for for the love that they've that they've always had for the monkeys and the love they've shown to him mm-hmm. uh, as well. Pretty cool. Did, <coughs> excuse me. Um, did you see Michael back in the day with First National Band or anything like that, or no? Sadly, no. Okay. I never got to. See, I didn't get to see him in person till the eighties. Okay. And the first time I saw him was when he was about to launch Elephant Parts in uh, 
hmm. in the Tavern on the Green in uh, New York City, and was in, in, located in Central Park. My friend Jerry Beck, uh, I'm sure you know who he is. Yeah, he was just on the podcast, and I was yeah, going to yeah. ask you about him, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, it was Jerry that helped that I met when we both went to the same screening of the movie Head mm-hmm. in the in the uh, in New York City at this little uh, at this little movie theater called the Elgin Cinema, and we met for the first time, and we saw that we had interests in the same things with the monkeys, and we became good friends from that point on. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very proud of Jerry that he's become this major animation expert. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I, yeah, when, from our little group, he's like the first guy to make it, and I was so proud of him. You know? <laughs> now, now, you're talking on a reissue of Head or the original time? The original. Oh, okay. It, uh, I saw Head for the first time. And it was 1974, 75, I'm trying to remember. Uh, but it was about that time that uh, it was on TV first. It was on it was on CBS TV right. in the late night. And I got to say it, stay up, you know, to see it. And then finally, then eventually it was showing at the Elgin Cinema again. Because mm. it played there previously, but it was a midnight showing. I wasn't going to go to New York City in the middle of the night to see a movie <laughs> especially in a strange theater you know this I think was uh, prior to uh, Rocky Horror or something like that or maybe it was when Rocky Horror came out they tried to do these uh, the midnight movies and Head was one of them right so but I wasn't going to do a midnight movie so but when it came to TV I saw it mm-hmm. and then when it played at a regular time at a, at a decent time uh, that's when I went to see it at the Elgin, and that's when I met Jerry Beck. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think, um, you know, when I've talked to Jerry about it, uh, he mentioned that, uh, uh, how you guys met on my other, ep- on the other episode. So you got to um, mention, that's one reason I called you anyway. So he said, yeah, I should talk to Fred too. <laughs> um, and he said the same thing. You guys are good friends. He said he was staring at a, at the head poster and you came walking up behind him or something to that effect. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we both we both commented on it, and yeah. we realized we hit it off. Yeah. We saw we saw how much we you know we're both big monkey fans. <laughs> Harry's been, and Jerry says, you know, I have episodes of the monkeys. Like, really? <laughs> and then we we arranged for for me to go down there because uh, he was living in Queens at the time. Because yeah. uh, he says I usually do like little film festivals in my house. Oh wow! You know, and I show them. So uh, I went there and. You know, and it was great. I had a fantastic time. Um, and it was uh, with Jerry that we did like the early monkey conventions in which mm-hmm. I was the MC and Jerry would project the episodes. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry was talking about that. He was talking about, you know, he's been to all the early conventions, you know, comic book related and uh, yeah. everything else. You know, and it's like, jealous, jealous, jealous. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, my first exposure to Jerry, not in person, but was as of Mice and Magic book, the animation oh, yeah, book, with, book with Malton, or I should yes. say by Malton. It's not it's not really by Jerry, but he has a prominent credit. So, uh, But I didn't meet Jerry till like, early 90s, I think, in San Diego at the con- comic convention. So, you know, and then we hit it off because, you know, 
we like animation. I had no clue he was a Monkees fan. I mean, I was a Monkees fan, too, but I didn't talk about it with him. <laughs> um, we did on the show recently, but, you know, uh, we were both down in L.A. when they did the 50th anniversary show that Mickey and Mike both showed up to with Andrew Sandoval, so... Um, I don't know if you had the chance to attend that or not. I don't think. No, sadly yeah. that was in California, so I couldn't go. Okay. <laughs> or if you attended the one ten years earlier that had Davy and Peter, you know, I didn't attend. Oh, that I couldn't one, make yeah. that one either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which I didn't know about that one until after the fact. And I go, oh, I should have seen him, but, but fortunately, fortunately, yeah, yeah, fortunately, some of it is on YouTube. Yeah, and fortunately, I have met all four of them. And, separately and not at the same time together i mean that's one thing i'm jealous of you you know you're like in many shots with like all four of them just like you know here i am <laughs> I'm like wow oh yeah <laughs> i got the cover of my first book <laughs> yes <laughs> and i'm like oh geez you know but you know at least i got to meet uh all of them face to face at solo concerts and stuff like that over the years you know and right well, Jerry uh, wrote the uh, introduction to my book, my first book, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's talk about your book. Um, so on the uh, the first one, uh, because I know you have a new one, which yes. is called uh, A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You 2, <laughs> which is how <laughs> Davey sometimes sang it in concert. I don't know if you did that right. intentionally, but... Uh, <laughs> um, but let's talk, stick with the first one for a second here. Um uh how did you i mean obviously you have personal stories that you put in the book and stuff like that but uh how did you get the word out to get people to write to you and give you their stories and things like that well uh i came up with the idea of the book for for one thing uh a lot of people in the monkey fandom knew that uh, i was involved deeply involved in that i have my monkey stories and uh, they said, Fred, you should write a book one day about the monkeys. I said, well, maybe one day I will. Maybe one day I will. Um, and then it, I just put it on the back burner, the back of my head, back back burner for a long time. Um, and the thing is that other books had come out, uh, like Eric Lefkowitz's uh, monkey books, which pretty much covered the, the story. And then Andrew Sandoval wrote one. Right. Well, I don't know if I can compete with these guys, you know, because <laughs> they pretty much wrote the history already. Uh, well, I don't know what angle I put on it. And then after Davy passed away, uh, they had the Davy Jones Memorial uh, at BB King's in New York City, which I attended, in which Davy's daughters were there, and the members of Davy's band performed for the last time, hmm. and um, and Mickey and Peter were there. Right. Um, and I met uh, Annabelle Jones, uh, Davy's youngest daughter there, mm-hmm. and she's just the sweetest young lady <laughs> you can think of. It looks just like Davy at that yep. age. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. So afterwards, um, and here's the thing: after, after the show, I uh, after the, the memorial was finished, I saw Annabelle, and she was collecting money for. The uh, charity for Davy's horses. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he, he uh, had a he had a um, a ranch where he, he kept re- rescue horses, and the money being raised was to help to keep providing for the horses. So I, I donated some money and I talked talk to Annabelle and I said that I'd been a great admirer of her dad and that uh, I'd worked with him on one of his books and other things. And then 
I just got emotional. Uh, <laughs> I just started breaking down, and I started to cry. Annabelle reached over and started hugging me. Oh. <laughs> and here's, here's this young lady who had just lost her father, yeah. and she's comforting me over his loss. Right. You know, I it was like a... Um, it was a very surreal moment because I had, if you, if you read my first book, I had a, I recount a dream I had where I had just, me and my uh, future wife, Linda, had attended a concert with the monkeys and we managed to get backstage and some Davy and Peter because they were the two monkeys I knew the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were talking and then all of a sudden I look at Davy and I started getting emotional and I started I just reached out and started to hug him, mm. and I, I like I, and then I, I woke up and I realized it was a dream, and then I realized, oh, baby had died, mm. you know, and that's what it was. So when I met Annabelle and that happened, it's that it's like the dream is coming to life, you know. Oh, oh wow! So anyway, uh, after the uh, we left the memorial, uh, it was then that the idea for the book came to me, especially when we were passing the Empire State Building and where. The riverboat used to be that that's where I saw him for the first time. Right. So that's that cemented the idea of doing the book. And I said, well, I don't know if I have enough stories of my own mm-hmm. to make a full book. So that's uh, Linda said, well, why don't you ask other fans to uh, <coughs> to, to contribute? And I said, that's a great idea. So I, I put out a feeler mm-hmm. on places like Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, if anybody has any stories they would like to share, I would like to put them in the book. If you have photos and things, I could I could I could have permission to use, and I got a lot of uh, a lot of contributions, and I was able to put the book together that way. And when the and the book premiered at the 2014 uh, Monkeys Convention, the mm. first one that Michael Nesmith was fully involved in, mm. you know, um, and I had the pleasure. Of giving each of the monk, each of the surviving monkeys a copy of the book, oh, uh, cool. signed to them. Mm-hmm. You know, when, uh, when I saw Peter, it was, uh, you know, as I said, for years I've been getting your autograph. This is the first time you're getting mine. It's <laughs> <laughs> very cool. And what was nice when I gave it to Mickey, uh, he placed it on the table where his family was, is sitting, his daughters and everything. They were looking at the book and they saying, "Wow, this is pretty good." You know, mm. so I was very pleased with that. And when I went to Nesmith to give him my book, I said, "Look, yeah, I, I've been a fan, of, you know, a fan of yours for years. I would like to give you this as a gift. I'd like to sign it to you." And he was like, "Well, that's very nice of you." And I said, "How would you like me to send to Michael, to Nesmith, or to Nez?" I said, "Make it to Nez." And I did. Yeah. So, uh, and I also gave uh, individual copies to Davy's daughters, mm-hmm. who are the sweetest young ladies, uh, the sweetest ladies you could possibly meet. Uh, they're all angels, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard them on the Zilch show. I've never met any of them, but yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I've had the pleasure, and they're all wonderful. Mm-hmm. Hello, girls. I can <laughs> hope you're hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he had four four daughters, all girls. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. All little girlies. <laughs> but I am a su- subscriber to their uh, Jones Tea uh, newsletter, and you know I have yet to try it. But hey, I'll give you a quick plug here anyway. So, <laughs> uh, have you tried their tea? 
Not yet. I okay. plan to. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's like, it's just like one more thing on my list. And it's like, I got to do that, you know, but, uh, one more on the bucket list. There you go. <laughs> um, what else was I going to ask you about? So, um, obviously the book was a success. Um, and, uh, you know, what I like about it, I'll say a few praises before we go on to the other book is everybody in monkey fandom kind of tries to do their own type of book, which is very good. You know, I mean, Yes, there's been other people that have done, like, uh, the book Michael and I did, you know, that have done, you know, their opinions of what the songs were like. But, I mean, that's precisely because, yeah, anybody's opinion can be totally different, so that's okay. You know, I was a little bit hesitant for that reason, but to do our books, but uh, that's when Michael explained to me. But, yeah, it's our perspective, and we'll get other people like Peter Noon and uh, uh, Howard Kalin and stuff like that to write little b bits, too. And so that's why we tried to make it a little bit different. We didn't want to be like Sandoval's book. Your Your book is, like, completely different because it's from a fan's point of view. You know, it's not about the TV shows like one book, um, Monkey Magic. <laughs> You know, it's not about, uh, you know, the British perspective, like the that head book. I can't think of the title, but... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the one. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, the it's like there's all these different book. perspectives. So you give, like, the American fan perspective, which is really cool. Now, the new book, from what I understand, is, uh, like, uh, the British perspective or worldwide perspective? Is that what... If Am I correct in that? Pretty much a worldwide perspective. Okay. Right, the new book, a little, a little bit me, a little bit you. Two, yes. <laughs> monkeys from international fan perspectives, mm -hmm. and it uh, not only is my, our new stories from myself since 1914. Oh, we have to really rock and roll. <laughs> They're playing in World War One. <laughs> the Great oh, yeah, so we, we were really hit then. <laughs> Since 2014, yes. <laughs> since I wrote the book, I've had some more monkeys encounters and uh, uh, situations. And actually, the idea for the second book actually came out of my experiences at the 2014 convention. Because mm. I had so many fans come up uh, to my table asking me for, you know, sign, you know buying the book and you know, having me sign it, which was a a new experience for me, because mm -hmm. uh, usually I'm the one looking for autographs, and here are people asking for my autograph, which was nice, mm -hmm. nice a nice little change up. So, and some of the, and some of them were really dear friends, and one of them, uh, Roshina Yagas, uh, I'm sure I got her name right, mm -hmm. uh, Rosa de Fatama Yagas. I hope I said it right. Forgive me, Rosa, if I said it wrong. <laughs> And um, she, came, she said, Fred, I love, you know, I think she read, she, she, she read a little bit of the book. Uh, and she said, I love the book. I like the idea of the book. But uh, why didn't you ask for more people from around the world? You know, there are fan stories. There are people like me from Brazil and, uh, and uh, uh, from South America and from every place else that have their stories, too. It would have loved to have been your book. So, yeah, you know, you're right. <laughs> you know, I could have I put it in more of a feel. Of course, the book would have been like 600 pages long <laughs> at that point. But, um, but I thought, uh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And I said, I put that in the, my little 
mental file in my head. Uh, and I actually, when uh, they did the Davy Jones uh, Memorial at Beavertown in 2014, I sort of said, my next book is going to be a sequel. And that's when I first came up with the title of A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You Too. Um, um, now, um, I didn't start really working on the book right away because I was concentrating on selling the first book. Mm-hmm. So, so I, had to, I had to put my focus on that. Um, and in the meantime, while these other monkeys things were happening, you know, with uh, Mickey, Davey, and that's all oh, I said at the time. <laughs> Mickey, Mike, and Peter right. uh, doing their tours. Uh, Mickey and Peter doing their tours, uh, both together and individually. Michael doing his solo tours with, you know, uh, Movies of the Mind and uh, First National Band Redux. So, um, and... Uh, so, um... And then there was, of course, the 2016 uh, concert at the Pantages in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which was Mike was going to be at, and it was purported to be going to be the, Michael's last. It was going to purport to be Michael Nesmith's last concert as a monkey. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Oh, we've got to go to that one." And I was already married to Linda at that point. She said, "Fred, uh, you've kept saying how much you regretted not being at Davy Jones's last New York concert." Mm-hmm. Um, buy the tickets. Yeah. I don't want to hear the rest of my life saying, "Oh, I should have been there. I should have been there." <laughs> so you have made it to California before, okay? <laughs> yes, I have. I have. I was in California. Well, that picture on the first book um, with me with all four monkeys—that's from the, the ceremony of the monkeys receiving their star. Oh, that's right. Yeah. On the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in the theater with them, mm-hmm. and that there's a story about that too, which I thank Peter Tork for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the um, they they the, late, the night before they performed together as a foursome in a fully rehearsed show for the first time since 1968 with Michael, and then the next day was going to be the ceremony for the Walk of Fame star. So they did the ceremony in front of the Vogue Theater, where which in 1968 premiered the movie Head. Mm. So uh, the Monkeys Convention was going on that weekend. And we we're all involved in this uh, this fantastic ceremony. Uh, I was uh, assigned as a part of security for the monkeys <laughs> at the uh, at the ceremony. So I was in the theater. Uh, Helen Pantuso, who helped to uh, help to spearhead the uh, the monkeys getting their star on the Walk of Fame, she uh, she appoint- she deputized me to be part of the security, <laughs> and then. When we got to the theater, she called me inside, and the monkeys were just finishing up a press conference uh, prior to the ceremony. And Peter and Davey already knew me, and they said hello. And Peter introduced me to Mike. Mm. And and I said, Mike, this guy who was involved with this show in New Jersey called The Uncle Floyd Show, I think you would have liked him. (laughs) And And I'm talking to Michael, and he's, and the thing about, I don't know if you, I take it you've met Nesmith, right? Me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The thing that uh, I've always that I've always uh, got from Nesmith is that when you talk to him, he pays you total attention. He yes. puts his full attention to you. He's listening to every word. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's what happened with me with him. He was listening to everything I was saying, and you know, it was amazing. <laughs> and uh, as we were talking, uh, they were they were being positioned 
and uh, Michael G. Bush was taking photographs of the monkeys, and I was still talking to Nesmith and Davey and Peter. Mickey was there too, even though I don't know Mickey as well as I knew Davey and Peter. Mm -hmm. And Michael Bush is telling me, uh, excuse me, Fred, but uh, you're in the photograph. You're in the picture. I said, oh, I'm sorry. And I start moving out. All of a sudden, I feel my arm being being grabbed, and I'm tugged back, and it's Peter Tork <laughs> who had grabbed me. And he looks at me and says, Fred, you're in the picture. <laughs> and, so, and so that... So the uh, that picture is me with the four monkeys. In the background, you see Lawrence Haley, who was part of the monkeys band and part of Davy Jones's band, and he's a dear friend also. Mm -hmm. And the look on my face in that picture is I cannot believe I'm in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a great story. <laughs> and, and I will always thank Peter Tork for that. Mm -hmm. all. <laughs> so, um, so anyway. Uh, Coming back to the second book, um, so I decided uh, I didn't. Uh, I was focused on selling the first book. In the meantime, I put together through my friend uh, John Rudzinski of the Monkey Files uh, band a Christmas CD before the Monkeys put out Christmas Party um, <laughs> of Christmas songs done monkey style, and uh, that was a fun project to do. Uh, I had a good time with that one. So, um, and then, uh, shortly after that CD came out, Mickey was doing his Christmas show in Pennsylvania, and John called me and said, would you like to open for Mickey? He says, what? <laughs> <laughs> and we just, we, we've worked it out with, uh, with uh, Wayne Avers, that uh, me, John, and Linda would be uh, performing Christmas is My Time of Year, with you know, with the music, it's sort of like a karaoke with the song, the music being played and us singing it live. And I found out later that Mickey and Coco were watching us from the the, the dressing room area. I said, "Oh my gosh, if I'd known, <laughs> if I'd known, oh boy!" Wow. <laughs> but it was that was a lot of fun. So anyway, um, a couple of years ago, uh, I decided in earnest to. Uh, to, to finally work on the second book. And I told, I was at dinner with members of the Zilch podcast, and that's why I told them, and I told Ken Mills also, that I was finally going to be working on this book. And then life happens. I got very <laughs> sick. Mm. Uh, I got uh, a very, I got a bad case of tire verticulitis, uh, in which I, it was very serious. Um, uh, I needed major surgery. And if things had gone, uh, had not gone right, uh, let's just say there would not have been a second book. Wow. You know, but uh, God God was very gracious with me, mm -hmm. and, um, and I made it through. Uh, but uh, I was working as a uh, usher on uh, Broadway for the, uh, for the New Amsterdam Theater, where they did the Disney shows like, Mary Poppins and Aladdin. I was working at Aladdin at the time of my illness. And um, it was a very long recovery, and it, was, it took a couple of months before I could get back to my job. But unfortunately, I couldn't, I wasn't back to full strength, and I later got a, a relapse. Mm. So that's when I realized I can't keep working anymore. I'm going to have to just leave this job and officially retire. 
and because of the relapse, I was back in the hospital again uh, with different problems, not as major as the other one, uh, but still it required uh, hospitalization. Uh, and I, I was in the hospital around Thanksgiving time to almost Christmas time and uh, <clears throat> managed to get out in time to celebrate Christmas at home. Mm. But by early January, I was back in the hospital again. And I was uh, I was there through most of the month into February, and um, I was in the hospital, and you know, and I sent when uh, February thirteenth, when it was Peter Tork's birthday, and and sent out a a birthday greeting to him, uh, you know, thank, telling him I, I was thinking about him, happy birthday, and then it was on the twenty first that I got the news. Oh. While I was in the hospital, that Peter had died. Yeah. Wow. Uh, he succumbed to the con cancer that he was struggling with for the last uh, several years, and which is the reason I'm sure a lot of people suspect that uh, he was not as in the in the public eye as he once was. Right. And I was fortunate enough in 2017 to have seen his last concert at uh, the Westbury Music Fair here in. Uh, in New York City, in the New York area, and uh, no one knew it was going to be his last concert, but it mm. turned out it was. Mm. And the song that he performed on the Christmas Party album, Angels We Have Heard on High, right. is actually the last recorded piece of music, to our knowledge, that Peter Torka recorded. Mm -hmm. So um, that that song, I think, is very special because of that reason. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a gift, and we should appreciate it. Right. So when, and like I said, I had came up with the idea for the second book prior to Peter's dying. So that's when I realized now I really got to get cracking on this book. So mm -hmm. when I was uh, finally well enough to go home, and you know, um, we, uh, my wife and I, made the final plans for me to retire, and we made plans to to live with my in-laws uh, to help share expenses in a nice house mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania. We were sharing expenses and things, and it helps a lot, you know. We're, you know. So, um, and they gave me a little, they, my brother-in-law built me a little office. So I could, he said, this is going to be your, your, your office now, Fred, so get cracking on that book. So, <laughs> so, um, so I did another feeler out for for uh, late last year, like around July, I put out a feeler again on Facebook and Twitter saying I'm working on the second book. And if fans out there this time, the, the emphasis is going to be on monkey fandom from around the world. So I want different stories from everywhere, you know, as far as possible, you know, from Japan, Australia, Brazil, mm -hmm. South America, England, mm -hmm. wherever. You know, as well as the United States. I wasn't leaving the United States out. <laughs> and then my own stories as well. Mm -hmm. And so I have the story in there of the uh, the Japanese fans who came to visit, who came to see Peter on that last concert at Westbury. Oh, wow. Because, because uh, their story is great because um, they, uh, when they found out that Peter was going to be doing this concert at Westbury, and Peter hadn't been doing any kind of personal appearances throughout the year, and just like the only one, that was announced, 
They made plans to come see it. And they, they contacted me and said, Fred, is there any way we can meet Peter? That, that you can help us to see Peter? Because they were really devoted Peter fans. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I don't know, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. And I put out a feeler to Peter Tork's official Facebook page, the real Peter Tork. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, look, these lovely Japanese fans coming all the, way, all the way from Japan, they would love to be able to see Peter and maybe give him some gifts. Is there any way possible they could, they could see Peter? And the, the, the Facebook page, uh, the Peter's pa- Facebook page got back to me and said, uh, if they come, there's no guarantee, there's no promises, but if they come to the backstage area at Westbury, mm-hmm. uh, somebody will, uh, uh, if someone's there, they'll bring them in to see Peter. Cool. So I told the fans this. I said, I can't make a promise. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no guarantee this is going to happen. But when you get to Westbury, get there early and get there like in the ap- early afternoon. And because that's about the time the bands will be doing their, their sound checks and everything. And fingers crossed, uh, someone will come and get you to see Peter. So the day of the concert, me, Linda, and two other friends um, went to Westbury and we parked in near where the backstage area is. And we saw the Japanese ladies. They mm. were there. Mm. And when we came out of the car, they saw us. They said, Fred, Fred, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> and they were so happy to see us. And they, they you know, uh, and they gave me and Linda these beautiful gifts. They, one of them, they're all gifted ladies. And one of them made us these beautiful fans that had, uh, Japanese fans that had Peter's, uh, had, uh, artwork of Peter on the fans, which are beautiful. And I wish I could show these. I'll hold them up to the, the podcast. People can see them. <laughs> I need to do another video one. Yeah, I did a video one with Jerry. So. Yeah, I'll just hold it up to the microphone. <laughs> but uh, they're beautiful gifts, and they had some like this for Peter as well. Uh-huh. So I told him, just hang out here. And hopefully someone's going to come and see you uh, to, to let you come see Peter. So... Me and Linda and our friends, we went to dinner, and we went to a pizza place. And, you know, these girls, they probably haven't eaten anything. They've been there all day. Um, let's get them a pizza pie. So mm-hmm. we did. And, we, and, says, uh, and, they said, and Linda said, you know, they're going to insist on paying for it. I said, yeah, I guess they will. I mean, I, I would like to give it to them, but they don't. Uh, I'll, but uh, but it, we'll, we'll give it to them as a gift. So so we went over. We got the pizza. We were going to give it to them as a gift. We see the girls, and they're, like, so excited. We, say, we saw Peter. We saw Peter. We went backstage. We saw him. We saw Peter Noon and all the other guys, and we said hello to them and gave them gifts and everything and took pictures. I said, oh, that's amazing. That's fantastic. And then we gave them the pie, the pizza pie, and they were very grateful. I said, well, how much is it? How much is it? No, no, no. I said, no, no, please, please, please. You did such a big favor. How much is the pie? Please. So... <laughs> on their assistance, we, we took the payment. We, we would have loved to have just given it to them, but they said, no, please, please, we want to pay for it. Wow. You know, you did such a wonderful favor. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and they didn't have to, but they wanted to. Wow. Uh, and then they, they got to see the show, and they loved it. Peter was the first act up, and he did several songs. Um, he acknowledged the Japanese ladies in the audience and said they came all the way to Japan just to see the show, and really grateful uh, Domo, you know, Domorigato, mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and they were so thrilled. And uh, we left uh, 
during the intermission and during after the show, we took pictures with the lovely ladies and everything. They were wonderful. We're also with Fran, uh, uh, Fran from Bristol, I think its name is, who was from Mosquitoes, who wrote That Was Then, This Is Now, and oh, was okay. working with Peter, it was in Peter Noon's band, uh, the Hermit's band. Mm -hmm. So he, he was there too. And uh, uh, so we had a great time there. And uh, sadly, it turned out to be Peter's last mm. public performance. So if anything, I'm grateful that not only did I get to see Peter's last show, that I was able to arrange with these lovely Japanese fans to get to get to see him also. Mm -hmm. how, how was Peter that day? Was he in good spirits or is he, he kind of weak? He was in good spirits. He was okay. But uh, the thing that everybody... Uh, commented on was how thin and frail he looked. <laughs> you know, um, if you look at the pictures I have in the book from that show, you'll see that, yeah, he's not looking that good. And he got to the show, his voice struggled a little bit, but not bad, mm -hmm. not too bad. You know, um, and it's just, I'm just, uh, you know, I miss seeing Davey in his last New York show, at least I'm glad I got to see Peter's very last concert performance. When, when was Davey's last New York show, out of curiosity? Was it? it was, um, Davey's last show was to about almost, uh, it was, I think, the 19th, 18th or 19th, well, I think uh, 19th or 18th, 18th or 19th of February. Okay. At least ten days before he actually died. Okay, so that was after I saw him because uh, I saw him at the Hollywood Autograph Show on the twelfth and the thirteenth. And you know, I always tell this, and I'll say it again. You know, it's like if I was taking bets on uh, who would die in two weeks, it wouldn't have been Davy. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like um, right. there is Carla Lemley That's who. What there is Carla Lemley who was there. She was 105 years old, and there's Martin Landau who was getting up there, and he was not doing very well that day, and he, he and they live, they both outlived Davy, and I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's the that's what probably made Davy's uh, that so shocking is that of all the four monkeys, you would have thought he was the healthiest of them. Yeah. And I think it was Peter who said he was the youngest, uh, that Davey was the youngest of the four. He uh, was 66 when he died. Yeah. And um, so, I think Mickey and Jess said, you know, I thought I was going to go first, which, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it, it is kind of sad. It, it kind of it startled me at the time because, you know, it's like here I met him face to face. He was totally enthusiastic and robust and everything and no clue at all you know that you know you just right. figure oh yeah i'll see him in another solo concert or another monkeys concert later in the year that was my thought you know but this is my chance to see him face to face and i got him to sign his first book you know the um they made the monkey out of me made the monkey out of me you know that one I need to get that Mutant Monkeys book, especially since you said that. I had a question about that. I mean, you know, when Davey said, um, uh, you know, is there anything in here you can use? <laughs> Was it hard to say everything <laughs> not to say everything i mean well, I, I mean was it easy to pick out things or was it like oh there's so many things was, i don't uh, know <laughs> so many things i knew that they, they had just so much space yeah and they, 
they told me, pick out what you th- what you think the fans would like to see. Oh, okay. And, you know, they wanted they I, they trusted me to know what the fans would want. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they, they they asked me over is that they they knew if anybody could know what a fan would like to see would be another fan. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I, I looked at the pictures and things that this has to be in there. This has to be in. This definitely has to be in. Uh, and if you look at the pictures that are in the book, uh, a lot of the pictures that they use are the ones that I suggested. Mm-hmm. Now, um, uh, since you've written these two books and helped out on that one, are there any other books in your future? Or is uh, part two just the end, or is there a part three in our future? <laughs> I don't I hate to be the the one. I hate to be the one that people think of every time a monkey dies. Freddie write, writes a book. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, let's hope you don't have to write another book for a long time. <laughs> no. Yeah, so I don't want it to be like that. Uh, I don't want it to be like that situation. Like I'm a little vulture or something. Yeah. But no, uh, I think this is gonna be it regarding monkey books for a while. Yeah. I, um, I, I I talked to. Uh, Valerie carries Renee uh, the other night because she's in the book. Mm-hmm. And I told her this is probably going to be the last monkey book for me. He says, never say never, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, my thought is that the next book I might do will probably be a children's book. Oh, okay. Would it have uh, anything to do with the monkeys or just a children's book? No, just a children's book. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't ha- the world doesn't have to revolve around the monkeys, or does it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I'm very happy about the way this new book turned out. Because mm-hmm. uh, I got, like I said, uh, stories from fans from around the world. I got nice stories from fans in Australia, from South America, from Japan, from England. Uh, I have lots from the states. Without giving away, without giving away too much, uh, what what story surprised you? I mean, where did it come from? Um, let me think. Uh, oh, one of the stories I got, which is great. Uh, have you seen that video of the kid who put together his little monkey videos from Legos? Mm, I think I've heard about, it, but I haven't seen it. But Anyway. Uh, his father, uh, Rick Wrights, i uh, make sure I got that name right. Mm-hmm. Let me double check my <laughs> book. Give me a second, sir. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yep. Richard Wrights and his son, Dylan. Dylan is the one who put together the, the uh, logo, I mean, the Lego video of the monkey's uh, opening, the TV opening. Oh, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. It's great. And uh, the monkeys liked it, and they used it as the opening uh, video uh, for their concerts uh, a couple of years ago. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, Richard Wright and his son Dylan, they both live in Pennsylvania, and they went to one of the shows in Pennsylvania and got to uh, meet Mickey and Peter. And they were, it was a thrill for him because it was like Dylan's first rock concert, any kind of concert, whatever, you know, rock and roll concert. And and it was a thrill for, for him to have met two of his heroes. 
you know, um, and that they liked his videos so much, that he put so much work and effort into it. And it shows in the videos, if you see them. Mm -hmm. So if you go on YouTube and you look up uh, Dylan movies or something like that, or Monkey Lo Legos, let me see. Uh, his. Okay, the website is on YouTube, look up Dylan R. Movies. Okay. And you should be able to find it. Right. Um, but he put out these wonderful uh, videos where he uh, he did his own artwork, he did his own work on the on it, he did, did his own animation, and it came, they came out great. And the monkeys loved it, and they used it uh, in the opening uh, of their shows. Cool. Uh, their, their live shows. Mm -hmm. So when Dylan came to the uh, the Pennsylvania show. Um, and Mickey and, Dave and Peter knew they were just going to be there. They had him backstage. He visited with him. Um, he said, you want to come on stage with us? this year?" yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and the kid took it like a pro. He's, like, He's amazing. And um, say hello to him and his father. Hopefully they're listening to the podcast. <laughs> and I hope to meet them soon because I definitely want to sign my copy of the book for them. Um, so... Uh, that was a great story that w that was able to incorporate into the book. Another one is the uh, again the Japanese fans. They uh, during the 2016 tour, the Good Times tour, uh, four of them had put together a dance uh, uh, from uh, you bring the summer, mm -hmm. uh, in which they they. They uh, rehearsed the dance. One of them is my friend Kyoko Hokusai. Uh, Hok I'm trying to remember her name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, give me a second. I'm, re I'm referencing myself. Oh, oh, you're flipping through the book. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at the book. I'm yeah. I'm making sure I got her right. Don't want to get it wrong. Okay, Kyoko Hosokawa. Mm -hmm. A lovely lady, wonderful fan. Um, she and her other Japanese fans put together a little dance group, and they rehearsed a dance step that incorporated the monkey walk. And and they uh, they had gone to one of the meet and greets uh, with Mickey and Peter's show, and they said, "We want to show you what we did with your song." Mm -hmm. And they they performed they performed while Mickey and Peter were rehearsing. Uh, you bring the summer. Uh, they did the, the the dance in the aisles for them, and they they were so taken with it. And Andrew Sandoval also says, "Would you like to perform in the show tonight?" <laughs> and, so, and so they did. And that video is up on uh, YouTube also. Wow! So it's it's uh, it's such a fun. Here it goes. Okay, if you, uh, I'll give you the address here. Uh, they were they were called Team. Red Maracas, mm. <laughs> and they performed at the Monkey Seattle Washington concert cool. in 2016. And uh, if you go on YouTube and uh, go https uh, colon slash slash www.youtube.com slash watch question mark small b equals 3L8SJ R, capital R, Z, P, uh, dash, R, S, 
and I should bring it up or look up for the video put up by uh, Marianne Spellman. Okay. Last name spelled S P E L L M A N. Marianne M A R I A N N E. Look up that video of the Monkey Seattle Washington concert. Uh, you you bring the summer, and you should find you should be able to pull up the video of the Japanese ladies performing to the song. Cool. Okay. It's it was a, that was uh, so much fun. That video is such a fun video just to watch, <laughs> and the, and the, you could you could tell from the look on Mickey and Peter's faces they were absolutely delighted uh, by the by the ladies that they did such a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Other stories. Uh, my friend Rosa Miagas. Let me make sure I got her right again. <laughs> Rosa Di Fatima Miagas. She uh, recounts. She was actually one of the first band stories in here, in which uh, she recounts her experiences as a fan coming all the way from South America just to see uh, Peter and Davy and Peter in concerts to see the monkey concerts. Uh, she, uh, her story is great, you know, uh, her adventures. Uh, other fans helped her coming all the way from Brazil to, 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 to meet and see the monkeys in concert. So um, that's a great story, too. I mean, um, there are so many good stories in here. And not, not just mine, but <laughs> other, all the other fan stories. I mean, I would like say, oh yes, uh, I, I wrote a great story. No, not so much. I, I wrote some stories, I had some stories in there, but the other fan stories are amazing. Cool. And and I hope people have a good time. Now, the other thing is that not only do I have the fan stories in there, I was able to get interviews with uh, Dino Kovis of the New Monkeys. Okay. Uh, it's exclusive to the book. Mm-hmm. And an exclusive to the book interview with Valerie Carey's Benet, the wife of the late Nick Benet, the man who discovered the Beach Boys, and um, and uh, Bobby Darren, and uh, Linda Ronstadt, and Linda, producer Linda Ronstadt. Mm-hmm. And she was a great friend of the monkey. She is the Valerie that has been in uh, several of the monkey episodes. Right. She's, she's in the episode where about the fashion magazine, she's the reporter mm-hmm. that that tries to help the monkeys with that magazine, mm-hmm. and she um, and she was Davy's the uh, she was Davy Standen uh, yeah, on the show right. too. The that's right, I heard that high. before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so she so she would she stand in for Davy when they put when they set up the lights and things. Because mm-hmm. uh, they were both about the same height. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and her, she has some great stories. Um, what I, without revealing too much, uh, Nick Benet is a, a great figure in music history. I mean, what just the Beach Boys alone is, 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 is more enough recognition, but, you know, Bobby Darren, right. uh, the Ronstadt, Glenn Campbell, people like that he worked with. Um, but that he was offered the monkeys, and I won't tell you how it turns out. But uh, <laughs> Valerie, tell, Valerie tells that story, and it's definitely uh, is worth reading. You know, um, I'm giving you little hints, folks. <laughs> I'm not giving. 
I'm not giving away the store. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want you to either. I'm definitely going to get a copy. I just haven't yet. I, I only heard about it a few days ago, so I was like, oh, he did another book. Oh, whoops. Um, yeah, well, the book just came out a few days ago. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so that's why I said, ooh, you probably will want to talk about it. Anyway, the, the, the main thing to ask now is how do you get a hold of this and the other book? Uh, a little bit me, a little bit you, and a little bit me, a little bit you, too. And <laughs> <laughs> you, too. <laughs> okay, both books are available on uh, Amazon.com as both print books and Kindles. A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You is also available on Apple iBooks and uh, Barnes Noble Nook. Uh, a Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, too, is just available on Amazon as both a print and Kindle. Mm -hmm. And the Kindle will be coming out uh, next week, but the print book is out now. So for those who, want, who like Kindle, it will be out in the late last week of October. Uh, and the print book just came out just a few days ago, uh, which surprised me. I, I got my print copy. I said, wow. And someone actually got their copy of the book before I got it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but... Uh, on the cover is me uh, giving the peace sign uh, all uh, groovied out. Mm -hmm. And on the corners are uh, fans from around the world with the individual monkeys. You got uh, Rosa with Davey, my friend Sandy Kelly from England mm -hmm. with Mickey, uh, Eric Oz Monkey Man with Mike, and the lovely Japanese ladies with Peter as his last concert appearance. That's cool. And, and the back cover is me posing with the monkey star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Cool. Yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to look at it. I just remember you're flashing the peace sign, and it's a very blue cover. <laughs> That's what I remember. <laughs> and then the other one's a brownish cover. That's what I remember. It's more, it's so. more orange. It's orange, more orange, okay. Brown, I think, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, uh, well, the first cover has me in the center with all four monkeys and Laurie Haley in the corner photographs are each individual monkey with me in the, each picture. Mm -hmm. So then, so on the first cover, it's all me. On the second cover, it's me and the monkeys with other people. Cool. So I, to, to emphasize that this is not just my stories, but stories from fans from around the world. Yeah. Well, if it's like the first book, uh, I know it'll be an entertaining read. So... <laughs> Well, I was very pleased to see that in uh, Amazon's charts of new rock books that my book actually made it into the top 100. Wow. So I was, like, really pleased with that. And that, uh, for a brief, briefly, it was in the top 30. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, if people just go out in a buying frenzy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, get this book, the first book, you keep me up in the charts, folks. The holidays are coming up, and with the pandemic, you can't go anywhere. You might as well order the book. Jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Makes a nice Christmas stocking stuffer, hint, yes. hint. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, th and throw in a couple of uh, my books, too, while you're at Anyway, <laughs> have a monkey's exactly. Christmas. <laughs> um, let's see. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, because I, yes. I'm sure you'll be around in monkey fandom in the future as the pandemic finally gives way, and hopefully we'll get back to 
concerts and conventions and things again in some time in the future. Uh, how can people get in contact with you? They can contact me through my Facebook uh, group, uh, Monkey Fan Book, on Facebook. Uh, I also have a blog on the monkeys.net website. And I will have a uh, my own website coming up soon, in which I hope uh, right now you can get the books through Amazon, but I'm hoping to have a new uh, my own website up soon, in which I could uh, let people know how to get copies of the book uh, signed. Oh, cool. But in the meantime, uh, I don't know how long it's going to take before I get that website up. So I would encourage people, please buy the book on Amazon, both the uh, print and Kim Kindle. I, it's very t uh, tough to sign a Kindle. So, uh, <laughs> but I'll sign the print book, definitely. Yes. Uh, and it, uh, you could also reach me on email, uh, fred at fredvelez.net. Mm-hmm. If you want to reach me that way, and uh, they could probably reach me that way, so I get, if they want to get the print book, I can give them details of how we can arrange it. All right. Very good. Well, so again, you can reach me on Facebook, uh, on my personal page, and also on Monkey Fan Book, on uh, monkeys.net. My blog is there. And on Fred at fredvelez.net as well. Very good. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Fred, for being my special guest today on the Fun Ideas Podcast. It was a blast. And wonderful to hear monkey stories. I always love to hear them. So. Uh, I'm glad, and I want to congratulate you and Michael on your books. I well, think they're really wonderful, much. too. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll have to do this again sometime soon, maybe with Michael as well, and uh, you know, we can discuss more monkeys or uh, do a trivia quiz or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That'll, that'll be a lot of fun. All right. Well, I thank you again, and have a good night. Thank you, and uh, all the best to all the monkey fans out there. God bless you all. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Fred Velez, for being my special guest. Episode number 94 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. Doors. At the price I'm paying, be glad it isn't yours. Now get up, crap mountain, 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 get up, crap mountain. Don't fall back
you'll fall back. 